Hi everyone and welcome to the Para Podcast. I am James Prescott, your host, and I am delighted to be joined by my friend and a life coach, Felicity Morse. Welcome Hello. back. Hello. Felicity was our guest on the show um, last year when her book came out and we talked about her book, um, which was really cool. And today um, I've been working with Felicity for the last few months and I... And Felicity's got a lot of wisdom on life and personal growth, identity, these kind of things. And I thought we might explore this and <laughs> and use me as a kind of guinea pig. Um, some of the work we've done together as kind of an example of that. And hopefully that could be helpful for some of you. So um, Felicity, tell us like what kind of got you into life coaching to start with? What was it that kind of drew you into that? Okay, so I would love to have a slightly more um, should say exalted uh, story about how I got into it, but essentially what happened with me is I was feeling highly miserable and highly burnt out and when I say burnt out I mean I seem to be unable to keep doing the things that were making me feel worse and for me that was working too hard um, and doing that thing where if something's not working instead of thinking okay I'm going to try and approach this a different way or I'm going to try and do something different completely Instead, I'm going to do exactly the same thing. I'm just going to put a lot more energy into it, um, and I'm just going to force. Um, so that's what I was doing with work, really, like aggressively doing more. more. It needed more energy. I needed to try harder in the same way I was trying. And so I was doing all of that. I was feeling very burnt out. I'd already been like having therapy. What I discovered about therapy, or at least therapy in me, is that it allowed me to sit or for certain therapists just due to their style can and due to me being a slippery individual it can allow me to sit in my own negative view of the world and be very controlling about that negative view essentially spending an hour a week arguing for my own unhappiness and not being challenged on it. Right. <laughs> so I was doing heart therapy. I was doing different styles of like personal development weekends as well, like everything from like kind of tantra to more like sort of togetherness-based community ones. Um, and one of the ones that I went to I was doing, yeah, so I was doing, like, lots of different weekends, like, healing weekends, like, whatever. And they were they were working in part for me. Um, it, I was struggling to actually... <laughs> I was so tired, I was struggling to actually show up for the weekend. And one of the things that I decided to do during that time is um, I basically got aggressively sold a coaching course. <laughs> and um, I didn't necessarily want to be a coach but I knew I wanted to 
I knew I needed to keep tapping in to something like the course I had been at because I would drop in, feel amazing, feel amazing for the weekend, go back out, do the same burnout stuff I've been doing before, be like, oh my God, I'm a mess again, come back in. Um, and so this, this course is like seven months long, uh, an immersion every uh, month for like three days, I think it was. And so that why that was how I ended up doing the training to become a coach. Mm. Um, I ended up, and one of the reasons for that is that I had so many feelings, I just did not know what to do with them. And with me, it seemed like they rushed in all at once. Mm. I was doing all this personal development and spirituality stuff, and it seemed like one day I suddenly had, instead of shutting down my feelings, I, like, woke them up. You know, we sometimes unconsciously repress. I, like, unconsciously (laughs) woke them up. And it seemed like sort of five years worth of feelings came at once. And I was like, I don't know how anybody handles this stuff. Like, this is horrendous. And on top of that, I was in a new dream because I was working as a journalist. And I, and there was, you know, there's a lot of pain. I mean, like, that is, that is, that is the job to report on bad things most of the time. Mm. Um, or report on contentious things. And, um... So I actually, I signed up to for help coping with my feelings, really, to understand my feelings and learn how to work with them, and also to be in an environment that was constructive for at least seven months and get all the support necessary there. So that is how I ended up doing the training to become a coach. Um, I ended up becoming a coach because... Um, I quit my job and it was one of the other skills that I had alongside writing mm. and I thought it would be a good idea to try it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so no great huge desire to help people although I always have um, more like I should try and do this because I have it as a skill and it might allow me to support writing, essentially. And now it's actually what I do more than writing. So yeah. it's work that I, I actually really love that. Yeah, that's really great. Mm-hmm. And you're a very it's good like, coach as well, I have to say. Um, as somebody who's been coached by you. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, <clears throat> so... So what is the kind of coaching that you do? Like, what is it that you... Like, what's your goal when you're coaching somebody? Okay, this changes all the time, actually. Um, So the main thing is I'm in service to another person. Whoever hires me, like, I'm in service to them. And they tell me what they want. And I try and reflect back to them what I hear from what they're saying. Mm-hmm. 
to hold them accountable if they tell me they wanted one thing and they come at me with something else. Mm -hmm. So an example of that might be someone says, you know, I'm making lots of money, it's not making me happy. I'm really unhappy in my job. What I really want is meaning. Uh, what I really want is to do something valuable. And they start looking around for jobs. Um, the next thing is they're like, oh, I've got offered this great job and new firm. It's very much like my old job, but there's a few other things that I think would be better. And on top of that, they've doubled my salary. I've got an interview on Tuesday. <laughs> it's like, okay, this seems like you might have got distracted by the money again. Yeah. Right? So that's like kind of one of the things is like almost providing reflections or reflections that they, from themselves, mm. you could say from their higher self, whatever you want to call it, reflections from who they really want to be <laughs> back to them. So they to pull them out of things that they, patterns that they keep getting stuck in. Mm. Yeah. And, and then, so that's sort of one thing that I do, like, tailored towards whoever shows up for me. Mm -hmm. Right? Yeah. And then the other thing that I do is, like, one of the things that I want to help people do is allow them to trust themselves. Yes. Yes. So confidence, actually, the etymology just means, like, trust themselves. I describe myself as a confidence coach because it's really just like, okay, can I trust myself here? Right? And not trusting yourself is absolutely corrosive. It's so corrosive. So I really feel for how important this is. And, you know, there are some places where we can't trust ourselves all the time. You know, like with addiction. Yeah. One of the things they say is like, it's not the first thought, it's the second thought. Yeah. Right? It's, you listen to the second thought. Your first thought lies. Yeah. <laughs> and that and that, that can be a really confusing and scary place to be. Mm -hmm. When you're hearing things that are that come from I just, I yeah, that come from trauma in some way. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Um and we worked on so, this, yeah. Yeah, we worked on that. Like, um, um, this confidence thing is really that was that was a big thing for me. Like, the, the learning to trust yourself, basically, learning to trust your, and it was learning to trust your true self as opposed to the ego. Like, the big the big thing I learned actually working with you is was the power, like, and the and the deception and the manipulation that ego can do. It can kind of get its claws in anywhere and try and control you um right you know it's it manipulative clever people have clever egos <laughs> yes that's true <laughs> that's so true it, the, if you it doesn't stop when you've done more work it just starts getting a more sophisticated language Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so you'll convince yourself it's like the spiritual thing to do. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. 
absolutely. Right? Um, it just gets more sophisticated language. The, the big thing is that the ego meets with fear. Yes. And it's like trusting your true self, not your wounded self. That's another way to look at it. Yeah, absolutely. So it's like, is there any fear in this? Okay, cool. And then also the compulsion. Compulsion is a huge component of that. Yeah, I mean, I remember that when we were working together, that I, like, there was this time when I was tempted to to eat some sugar-free chocolate, mm-hmm. and I was like, "Oh, this is sugar-free. It's not gonna. I'm not gonna put on any weight by eating this, so it's not gonna be a problem. Like, I could probably, I could probably buy this and have this. Like, and um, I think I did actually buy some. Like, but I was trying to convince myself to have it or not, and I, and I like, so I messaged you because I thought, okay, I want to check with. With Felicity to see if this is like if this is okay, um, and I remember you, you did this really clever thing that you kind of almost didn't talk to me. You kind of replied to my ego. <laughs> I remember it was quite harsh with the things you wrote, but it was like you were talking to my ego like really harshly, like like this this no, sugar free chocolate is crap anyway. And what are you trying to what are you trying to hide by eating it like? you know kind of like basically a kick up the backside you know and um, I remember I was in I was in Leeds while getting on the train to come back to London and I had this chocolate bar and I thought what am I going to do with this now I'm not gonna, I can't eat it now so I just left it on the train I didn't open it um, <laughs> because of that yeah. because, because I was like oh yeah of course like that and that's when I realised it was my ego that was trying to just kind of wheel its way around and like say you can still have this chocolate like you can still have this like you can still have that and it wasn't the point of whether it was sugar-free or not it was the point of what are you eating this to cover up what, what emotions are you hiding with this like and one of the yeah when when you don't have the thing when you're tempted and then you don't have the thing that you're tempted to have then you have all these feelings and you like get to examine them and see what actually is going on um, and that was a big right. thing for me, um, because there were a lot of things I was hiding. Definitely. The thing I think is so interesting about addictions, right, and it's funny that I think addictions are funny, right, because we have kind of socially acceptable ones and socially unacceptable ones, and it's yes. like it's the same problem. Absolutely right? agree, yeah. And addiction research is getting really good as well. Yeah. Like, it's still, you know, psychotherapy, even, or psychiatry, or whatever, it's a really young science. Mm. And um, the thing about addiction, you know, like workaholism is not really seen as addiction. Mm. <laughs> or it's a socially acceptable addiction. <laughs> Which is like, yeah, I mean, there's so many socially acceptable ones, aren't there? Like, like work, over, like work, work overworking or um, uh, coffee, like caffeine. Mm. Like that's the most socially acceptable one. People even joke about it, like, like about feeding their coffee addiction or their whatever. They just talk as if it's like a okay thing, you know. And I used to think that was alright, but now I'm like thinking, well, what are you now thinking because of what we did I'm thinking like what are you hiding what, what's going on what is the reason for this you don't actually need this like and whenever people talk to me about their little addictions like the acceptable ones I always have that thought and I can't say anything because it's socially acceptable 
to be addicted to things like that and like and they could be I mean even even overeating to a certain extent is kind of socially acceptable for some people like people just okay. like you know and people I see people like trying different diets and things Over, actually, overeating is acceptable as long as you're not overweight right yeah exactly <laughs> and you're allowed to have that addiction as long as you don't put on weight with it exactly as long as you're not giving yourself a a heart attack or something like that you know it's like as long as this yeah exactly and it's like these all these like weight watchers and all that it's like well actually you're not really dealing with the real problem you're just dealing with the symptom which is the eating like you're not actually dealing with the emotion that's that's causing you to overeat because and what will happen is you'll be healthy and then some big drama will happen in your life because that's what happens in life and you'll just mm-hmm. go back to it again because you haven't dealt with the real issue behind the emotion behind the behind the addiction in a sense yeah and I'm going to say I'll say something else from that because I have a lot of compassion for addictions as well it's like mm. an addiction is a coping mechanism yeah absolutely <laughs> an addiction at the heart of it is basically a coping mechanism for something that is so painful well you can you can describe it in lots of different ways I'm not an addiction expert um, but <laughs> in many ways addiction is the coping mechanism right so People who say, oh, just put it down or just leave it or, you know, whatever it is. Mm. And you can't take someone's coping mechanism away unless you're going to give them another one. Mm. Right? So unless you give them this, unless you are able to provide support for that person, like, it's not like, oh, just take it away, you know? Yeah. It's not just like it, it, that person needs that to cope. So unless you have some other way to help them cope, some other way to look at it, some other way that helps them work through like whatever pain comes up, or they are stable enough, yep. it's very going to be very hard for that person. And it's it's so yeah, there is like we have this idea of like chemical addiction, and that a hundred percent is the case for lots of things which make it harder to give up, right? Yeah, yeah. But um, there's also this kind of emotional addiction. Mm. Or you can call it like a process addiction, like whatever you want to call it. Um, but I think it's, it's super hard. You know the thing you talk about with sugar-free chocolate, right? Yeah. It's like this... Um, it's like alcohol-free beer, yeah. Yeah. And so one of the things that, and this is where you have the chemical versus the emotional, right? Because it's like, well, I'm not having the sugar. I'm not having the sugar. It's fine. Or I'm not having the alcohol. It's fine. But it's like, this is the same behavior. Mm. Yeah. It's the same behavior. It just. Cheating. Yes, yeah, so you're just doing it in a more healthy, physically healthy way, like a chemically healthy way. Um, yeah. Just you're not going back into the chemical addiction, but like the emotional addiction of like using something to fix something. Yeah. Bad. It's an emotional thing. It's it's all about the emotion of it, you know. And I'm. I know that because for me, I'm I'm more likely to overeat if I've had a bad day. You know, oh. 
like much more likely like um or if I'm not feeling very well or whatever you know <clears throat> you just kind of it's much easier to to go to to retreat into to that although I haven't had I'm like I said to you earlier I haven't had chocolate for what is it 116 days now I think when we're recording like I'm now actually kind of setting myself a target of getting through the whole year without having any chocolate. Um, One day at a time. And, <laughs> and yeah, like, I'm thinking like, well, I've done th- I've done like a third of the year already, like nearly four months. I've, mm-hmm. d- I've done it now. Like so, I, let's see if I can do another four months, and then see if I can do another four months after that. And like, I mean, with chocolate, your taste. I think I know people who've given it up and then they don't like it when they have it again because their taste buds change. So it may be that I don't even like it anymore, you know, but, um, which would be a really good thing, but, um, right. And I'm, I'm actually starting keto again, uh, which was my, it's essentially no sugar, no carbs diet. Right. I mean, it's obviously not because carbs and sugar are kind of in everything, but I'm starting to start that again as well. So, um, yeah. That's good. See. It feels so much better. When I don't use sugar, I feel a thousand times better. Yeah. Um, Me too. I, I definitely feel a lot sharper and a lot more myself since since I stopped having the chocolate and the fizzy drinks and the sweets and that kind of thing. Yeah. Like, they're all just out of my life now, you know. Um... You know, but there's always something new to learn as well. Like that's what I, that's one thing that I that I realised. Well, I think one of our last calls we talked about why I don't why I struggle with cooking. And uh-huh. I was like, oh, this is why. Like this is why I have takeaways. Like it's because there's something in my brain which says like eating is pleasure. Therefore, I shouldn't have to work for pleasure. Therefore, I shouldn't have to cook because cooking is work. And I have to stand up, and I have to do. I have to get my back done in, like, and I have to wash up, and I have to, like, so that's all work. I don't want to have to work, but I'm meant to be enjoying myself, like, which so, so you see what I'm saying. So, and I was able to, I was able to deconstruct all of that because of the work we'd already done. Yeah. And see that that was that's what was going on, and um, that's the next challenge for me. Um, in the next few and months, so it's going to be. You like, you like deconstruct it. Yeah. So you deconstruct it, so you see what's there, that's like kind of the first thing, you see what's there, and then and then after you kind of see your own thought pattern, what do you do? Like, what are you going to do next? Yeah, you figure out, well, yeah, for me it's, for me it's kind of like, you start at the surface and say like, okay, I don't, okay, I, I, I like, I like, to be able to have takeaways but why you know why don't I want to cook like so what is it about cooking that I don't like like it's always like it's either the time or having to and the washing up and the the, you know the preparation and all of that and it and then it triggered then then I kind of because I know myself I know I know that I've used eating as something for pleasure Uh like rather than just something eating to live that Uh I thought oh right okay so I see cooking as work and work is not pleasure therefore I don't want to cook to eat because I don't want to have to work to get pleasure like that that's how I deconstructed it 
um, okay, cool I kind of just break it down, and it helps when you know yourself as well. I think, like, and when I right. think when you're with a coach, when you get to, when you're working with a coach, or when you, or even when you're with like a like a spiritual director or a therapist or anything, like you get to know yourself a bit better, so you start to figure out these things. And I'm quite self-aware anyway, I think, um, but. Um, yeah. Yeah. So then, so then you're like, yeah. So basically, you're like, oh, I only want my drugs to be there to live next door to me. I don't want drugs if they're on the other side of town, and I have to go and get them. Yeah, that's right. Sorry, is the Hoover sounding a lot? I can't hear a Hoover. No. Okay, that's great. That's great. <laughs> um, I can't. <laughs> next door. Um. So, yeah, and then, but it's then like, what do you need to change that? Because there's understanding it, understanding it is great, and sometimes that's enough to just like bust it open. Yeah. You, know, you like see your thinking and you're like, whoa, no. <laughs> I'm not having that thinking. And then, but then what do you do next to get to the, like, where do you go next to get somewhere that actually helps you get what you want? <laughs> Yeah, it's then it's about practical steps. Mm-hmm. I can say, hey, what can I do to change this? What do I have to? What do I have to change in terms of my mindset and also my actions? Right. So it's like, how do I change my thinking, and then how do I set stuff up to help support that thinking? Yeah. So. Instead of thinking of food eating as just pleasure, and mm-hmm. think, and, th- and change how I look at cooking, change how I look at uh, eating, and say, okay, I don't, I don't like sometimes I sometimes I'll eat for pleasure when I go out for a meal with, or something with somebody. That's eating. That's that's kind of eating for pleasure in a way because you're out with somebody. It's a social occasion, you know. Um, but if you're just eating at home it's not a social occasion it's just you're just getting your sustenance for the day um you know and you're not doing it just for pleasure on its own so that's one shift i guess and and also just seeing like i'm trying to actually say okay cooking can be enjoyable cooking can actually be enjoyable it can be I would probably go down a slightly different route with this. Like, okay, I would right. say, okay, okay, well, it's actually the speed at which it's like a takeaway is a quick hit for me, right? If I have feelings, I don't need to look at any of the feelings. I can get the quick hit as quickly as possible. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I like get the hit. I don't have to think about anything else. I don't have to think about anything. I don't have to do anything. I just like get the hit. hit. And that's it. Yeah. Right? Like, no responsibility. Yes. No adulthood, no responsibility. I get a hit and then I put it in the bin and then I have to think about anything. Yeah. Exactly. Right? I wouldn't call it pleasure. I would just call it like a hit. Like, eating for pleasure is fine. Like, I, I, I think, you know, it is hard to find the sweet spot here, but. We can get to a point where we like strip the joy out of everything. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I. Yeah. I didn't mean to sound like it wasn't that, that eating for pleasure is bad because it's not. Um, 
I think when I just when I just see it as like when that when I see it like as like okay it's 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 pleasure and not work. You shouldn't have to do anything to like it I mean it is it's the same it's the same thing that you're talking about, just different language I think. Like yeah, it is, it is, it it's is kind of like like I think the same with like I think it's like wanting it quickly and not having yes. and wanting to go unconscious. Yeah, just like I'll just get my I'll just get my app out, boom, click, 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 like there we go, done. Don't have to think about yeah. it. I don't have to make any effort. I just have to get plates out and stuff. That's all I have to do. Like um <laughs> Well you're only for at least getting plates. That means you have to do washing up then. <laughs> you're gonna use plates you have to do Or you just up. eat it out of the plastic containers and you don't have to do the washing up. <laughs> right. So I think it's like um Yeah. I would probably say it's just like how to slow it down. Yeah. Take pleasure but you can you can have pleasure in food for sure. It's just um understanding the difference between like pleasure and compulsion yeah probably for me at least that's the difference like do I have to have this like why do I have to it's that have to that makes it um feel less fun right yes you have no choice there it's like well Okay, I have a have to about a takeaway. So just for fun, I'm going to do the other thing. <laughs> I'm going to do the other thing because I want freedom. Yeah. It's yeah. not the, but you know, our mind, whatever works with your mind there. And then once it becomes a habit, you don't have to think about it so much. Mm. Yeah, to start with, there's always the intention, isn't there? There's always, you always have to begin with, when you're starting something new, it has to be intentional. You have to make more of an effort until it becomes a routine. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It is harder. I think it's like the first 90 days is, is everything they say. Um, and, you know, it's not just what they say in, uh, or what I've heard said in... Um, about addiction is it's not just um, it's not just when you feel down that you're tempted to pick up or whatever your thing is um, it's also when you feel great because you forget yeah yeah oh exactly yeah absolutely it's I, I noticed this with my eating it's mm-hmm. whenever I had an emotional high mm-hmm. or an emotional low it was like so I would have a really good day or something would go really well mm-hmm. like, and I'd be like oh I don't care I'm going to have some takeaways today like you know um, like because yeah everything's good today like I've lost some weight like yay yeah <laughs> like so let's celebrate by having some junk food like yeah. um, right actually do you know what that's so funny because I was just reading something on this last night I was I was reading about the origin of the term pink cloud syndrome. What's that? Pink? Pink pink cloud syndrome. So I took a picture from Boston and I was like, wow, this is what love feels like to me. And I remember reading that one of the things they talk about is when you first quit, um, right. especially, I think they were talking about it, in, especially in terms of alcohol, when you first quit alcohol, um, 
you can have this like kind of high. Yeah. And I think the term pink cloud syndrome is used, or pink cloud, be careful of the pink cloud. Like obviously it's great to to feel it, but also it's really easy to relapse. So apparently the first people who set up AA Bill and Bob. I think it's been a Bob and almost certain. But um, the first people who set up AA they said they would do like a year's sobriety and they would have a big party after a year's sobriety and they getting drunk. <laughs> Kinda of defeats the object of the the whole twelve months, like Right. So they stopped having um, they stopped having those yearly sobriety parties. For that very same reason you just said to me there, you know, where you were saying, oh, I've had a great day. I've not had a takeaway for like 12 days. Do you know how I'm going to celebrate? By getting a takeaway. Exactly, yeah. Like, I've lost a stone in weight. I'm going to have a takeaway now. I can have one. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. So, um, I mean, I've literally done same, that. It was the same, like when we hear it with like, when we hear it, from AA and people drinking, we realise how um, how not right that sounds. Yeah, it, it sounds right. ridiculous when you think about it. It's like I'm going to celebrate giving up something and getting healthy by doing that thing again. Like, by doing that thing again, it's like, really, really hard to quit. Yeah, like what? That's just not logical. Like it doesn't make any sense. Like. You know, this is what this is like the revelation I had. Like, like, what am I doing? Like, I'm losing weight, and then I, my my way to celebrate that is to eat something that's going to put on weight. Like, why am I doing that again? Like, you know. Yeah, and it's just it's just our relationship to whatever our addiction is. Yeah. Right. So it's like um. And it would be, uh, that is actually a great example because drinking is even for celebrations as well. Yeah. Drinking and eating. So it's like, okay, new ways to celebrate. New ways to celebrate. It's like, it's, it's hard to just get rid of one thing without replacing it with something else. Yes, it is. It's very hard. Yeah. Nature affords the vacuum. So, like, trying, especially in the beginning, finding something to replace it. Can be really helpful. Mm. So, like, how are you going to celebrate? Okay, find something that feels really good. Try not to think of another addiction. <laughs> I'm going <laughs> to celebrate with heroin. Yeah, yeah. Like you don't, you don't, you don't see, um, you don't see doctors and stuff saying, "Well done, you're a year clean of drugs. Let's give you some more to celebrate." Like, right. Yeah, nobody does, nobody does mm-hmm. that. Like, you know, or, mm-hmm. oh, you've given up tobacco for a year, you haven't smoked for a year. Here's a pack of cigarettes to celebrate. Like, you know, you, it just sounds, yeah. the more you although, say it, the more ridiculous it sounds. Although, you, although you know, there are, like, tons of other addictive behaviours to pick up. So you can be like, you know what, um, <laughs> it's fine, I'm going to give up heroin, and I'm going to drink alcohol instead. And that person becomes an alcoholic. Yeah, like, I've seen it. Alcohol. I've seen it. Seen it happen. Like literally. Yeah. yeah. And then that person goes up alcohol, and they're like, "Okay, I'm gonna get them <laughs> smoke a lot instead." I mean, like this is natural, right? I mean, 
I mean, this, for me, so that addiction is just handle the ones that are going to kill you first. <laughs> <laughs> addiction aphorisms are, like, quite dark. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it's just handle the ones that are going to kill you first. But, um, yeah, it is, it is easy to put something down and pick something else up. And in, the, in a way, like, at the beginning, that's supernatural. Yeah. As in, like, it's very natural, not supernatural. But it's very, very natural to do that. So if anybody is doing that, don't feel bad about it. Yeah. Just, just try right. not we, to. That's another thing, actually. That's another thing that you, when we work together, that you reminded me of, that it's okay to be human. Like, it's okay <laughs> It's okay to. Yeah, it's I'm like, pulling really wise stuff like that. It's kind of. It's kind of, Yeah. It's 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 really. <laughs> it's. <laughs> it's yeah. It's it, what I mean is it's it's okay to make mistakes and okay to get things wrong sometimes and it's okay to be imperfect because you're just a human right. being like and like and that sounds so obvious when you say it but sometimes we don't we we kind of expect ourselves to be like superhuman or perfect like and we have to have everything right and done properly and everything has to be in its proper place and all perfect before we can say we're 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 growing or mm-hmm. in a good place when that's actually not not true i'm in a much healthier place than i was i feel like a lot free a lot more free than i was i'm still not perfect i still have weaknesses and i still have areas that i need to grow like i mean one thing i've one thing i've learned to do is that every time I'm faced with a challenge or a difficulty or whatever. I just see it as an opportunity to grow. Yeah, that's a really good one because um, it's so easy to have things not go our way. And then instead of seeing how we can grow that, are you like making the best of it? Yeah. We actually pick up something else that takes us back. So we pick up a resentment. Yeah. So we have something not go our way, and then like not only do we have the thing that we didn't want, we also have the resentment. Not only did we like not grow, we also have picked up something that we're going to have to let go of <laughs> further down the line. Yes. Right. So, as you know, um, that one is huge. Mm. Like with any of these things. And I say this from experience, it's the application of the wisdom that counts. Mm. So all these things are great tools. It's knowing when to apply them. Yeah. Love is the one that tops all of them. So what the loving thing to do is tops all of them. Sometimes that's really hard to know. Yeah. But I say, like, the opportunity for growth because it can be very easy to get, to keep, okay, it can be very easy to fool yourself sometimes with this one. Yes. Like, and the, what it would look like as a, as a ego fooling yourself on this one, right? Yeah. What, what that would look like would be you were in a situation that is not loving, for anyone and instead of 
getting out of that situation and learning how to let go of it gracefully, which would be growth. Yeah. You're afraid to leave. And you say, okay, it's really difficult here. And instead of saying, I'm just afraid to leave, I need to let go of the fear, you say, I'm afraid to leave. The reason I'm finding this so difficult is it's just a wonderful opportunity to grow. Mm. Right? Instead of saying, actually, I'm not going here. Yeah. The growth for me here is learning how to get out of here. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. And I say that because, I, well, I say it from experience, but I also say it because I see people get stuck with it. Yeah. It's really hard. Everything, like, fear will take you down every step of the way. Yes. <laughs> and it will lie. And it will lie using your own language. Right? So yes. you pick up these tools and then you apply them <laughs> and it sounds like it sounds right, but yeah. it's just got a different language now. <laughs> you have to learn <laughs> to like, interact with yourself. Like you have to learn to kind of listen to like recognise the different voices. The scripts, yeah. this is one thing, like the the, yeah. the the scripts that you kind of feed yourself, the lines that you kind of come out with. Like mm-hmm. and then your, your, your your ego comes out with like you know um, I can have a real laugh talking about some of the scripts that I've come out with like you know um, you know like um, I just want to relax and enjoy my life and like you know why can't I just <laughs> yeah. do this why can't I just do that like all I want to do is this is this a crime against humanity you know it's like it sounds really really lame <laughs> I, I, um, I do not deserve this. Do not deserve this. And it's like, okay, That's cool. Cool, Felicity. Like, maybe you don't. Maybe it's also, like, it's not about you. <laughs> <laughs> like, maybe this person is not deliberately behaving in a way to upset you. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. Maybe, like, they're handling some stuff here. It's not about whether you deserve it or not. Yeah. No, I mean, that's absolutely, that sounds so so familiar because that's one of my scripts. Like, I don't deserve this. Like, I'm a good person. I, what, <laughs> what did I do to deserve this? How come these people do all this stuff and never get anything like this happen to them? You know, like, you know, that's a typical thing. Like, the bullies, like, I got bullied at school. And so one of the scripts I used to have is, how is it that all these people who believe me and got away with it have got all now all got beautiful wives and are really healthy and have happy lives and stuff? And I'm I did the right thing and I got nothing. You know, I don't deserve that. You know, it's like and it becomes yeah. so familiar. You know, so yeah. And you know, the more people I talk to, the more I realise that people don't really get what they deserve. People get what they deserve. People don't get what they deserve. And they don't get what they deserve. That's true. I agree. Like, it's incredibly frustrating. <laughs> it's incredibly frustrating. I'm just going to finish it there. But like, it's incredibly frustrating that people don't get what they deserve. So if you're doing anything to get anything, <laughs> it's kind of a bit, it's kind of really difficult. And I'm yes. going, like, really, really macro now. But, like, 
you're doing anything to get anything, it's really difficult because people do not get what they deserve. Like, on any sort of level that I personally can understand. Yeah, I agree. But if you're looking, I've said this before about creativity. If you're just thinking about the result, you're doing it for the wrong reason. Like that's not like for people who are right. any, any any creative people. Like I talk about, <coughs> and this is this can be like creating your life, or it can be creating art, or it can be anything. If you're if you're doing things because you you're looking for the result, then you're then one you're doing it for the wrong reasons, so, and two. You're probably going to give up the first time things go wrong. Like, that's it. You'll, you'll never do it again. Like, mm-hmm. if it's if it doesn't work, then you'll give up. Like, like I know writers who have had these impossible expectations usually given to them by other people, and when they don't meet mm-hmm. those expectations, they give up writing. And it's like you're a good writer. You don't need to stop writing just because you didn't get what you thought you should get. You know, like, you know, that's a lesson mm-hmm. I had to learn. Like when I didn't have success, I I I thought I wanted. I almost gave up writing and then I had this revelation that oh this all this concept of building a platform and getting loads of money and followers actually doesn't work and it's that that doesn't work it's not writing that I don't love it's that that I don't love like and I don't need it anymore and I'm free from it and that allowed me and that realisation allowed me to start writing again which is really great yeah because I'd freed myself from the expectations you know the the result I disconnected from the result. Yeah, I mean, like I totally believe in cause and effect, right? I believe I believe in cause and effect. I just don't um, like. I just don't think it works quite how we think it does. Yeah. yeah. Like it's not like a good person does something good with good intentions, and therefore, like the immediate good thing comes back. I'm not quite sure how it works. I'm not going to lie. Um, and I do believe in cause and effect, but I'm not, I think it's a bit more complicated than I can work out. And you know, like when we try, when we try and control the results, well, we just can't, like we're not God. <laughs> if we say like, we're only going to be happy if we get this certain set of results. Like what? Yeah. Exactly. It's also not true. Like I've had lots of unexpected results and been happy. Yeah. We're already lying to ourselves. Yeah. And you know, sometimes we just don't know what is going to happen. Like sometimes success is not actually going to be the thing that's that helpful. Yeah. Or what we what we perceive as success. Because right. it's how you define success as well. I found like so I, I completely redefined my my what success meant, okay. and that helped as well. And it wasn't dependent on the result. It was again, it was about the process. So, so you know, I want to. I have a book to write, so I'm going to enjoy the process of writing this book. And that, if I finish it, then I've been a success. Like before, forget about publishing it. Forget about book sales. Forget about book contract. Like if I finish this thing, I've that's success. That's success. Like if I can finish this manuscript, it's success. If I, I don't know. There's Learn other things. something from the experience. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And that, be, that, 
that's exactly that's the, and and you know the same thing in relationships as well, right? It's like yeah. we have a certain idea of what success in relationships looks like. Yes. Oh my gosh. Yes. And it is crazy. I'm just gonna say it's like straight down the line, crazy. It is. I so, absolutely agree. It's like, like, and I'm, and I'm coming from a, from like a Christian background. It's like a relationship is only a success if you end up walking down the aisle. And it's like, really, that's not, that's not the definition of a success. I've had successful relationships which are, which have now ended, but they were successful relationships because, you know, because of from the time we were, I was in those relationships was it was helpful for both of us. We both grew as a result of that relationship. And we both in, had we both had good times in that relationship and good memories and stuff and created right. good memories. I really so, like um, Marianne Williamson's uh, oh, definition yes. Yes. of successful relationship. I, and I don't know if I'm going to quote this right, but I really like the one where she's like, she's like, a successful relationship is if you learned the lesson you were meant to learn. Yes. Yeah. Now, that's tough, right? Because the people who teach us the most is the things that upend our lives the most. Yes. Exactly. So yeah, if I want, I want a hack. I really want a hack for how to learn the lesson, <laughs> the lesson in the least painful way possible. Yeah, that's right. When, when you when you go into a relationship, you you're gonna get hurt because even if it kind of ends up working out and you stay together like for a long time, you will get hurt during the relationship because you're both human beings, and so you make mistakes. <laughs> like, so you say things that you regret, and you do things that you regret, and you didn't and you didn't mean to hurt that person, but you said something, and that because you weren't aware. Something, something you had no idea about that triggered something in the other person, you know, and that's nothing to do with you being a bad person. It's just, it's just because people are human, and so, you know, and it's all yeah. like, relationships are hard work. You know? <laughs> like, yeah, they like really are. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know, I know, and then, and then the thing is, you can reach a place where you're like. I just have no clarity here. <laughs> I have no clarity. What I do know is I want to completely blame the other person for this. <laughs> <laughs> Which means that somewhere I am wrong. <laughs> because I know enough to know that. Or, um, and my coach said to me, my, this one, I like this one. I'm sure, I don't know where, quite where it originates from, but it's like, you can't be right and in a relationship. Interesting. I've never heard that one before. You can't, you be, can't right. be right in a relationship. Like you have to be able to not be right. Yeah. <laughs> like you have to be able to not be right all the time, or even some of the time. Yeah, that's right. And but it's not really about being right or wrong. No, it's not about I mean, winning. Like, no. And and the thing is, like, it's really tough because some of the Principles are very, very, they're true. Mm. And sometimes we're not actually at the level to practice them. 
as yeah. well. So I'm kind of like putting that disclaimer in, as it were. Yeah. Because following some of these principles without can can be you can get you can misinterpret them mm. and they're very easily misinterpreted, right? So I'm I'm just putting that disclaimer on for lots of things because. Um, you know, you can stay in an abusive relationship and say, oh, I'm growing a lot. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. And yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure there is some growth there, but like, also, that's not very loving. Hmm, I agree. Yeah. So, yeah, love is the one that kind of, kind of trumps all the, all the stuff. Yes. Yes. Right. So, okay, so, okay, what is one, like, to, just to kind of close, like, what, what's, what's, like, the key lesson that you've learned that you want everyone to hear, like, most people that you would coach that you need them to hear? Oh, what a good question. I'm just thinking the one that's been most helpful for me. I mean, there's loads, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah, there's loads. Yeah, there's, lo- there's loads. We talked about it a lot okay. today. Okay, I think this is the one. I think this is the one, like, this, or this is the one that came to mind. There's, I mean, there's two. One is, like, I would love it if everybody prayed. <laughs> I would love it if anybody prayed. The more you do this self-development work, the personal development work or psychology or whatever, the more you end up, like the further down the road you go, the more you end up at spiritual concept, in my opinion. Mm, I agree. In my experience. Yeah, that's my like, experience too, yeah. Like that, where this road, like it, it's not necessary it's not necessary to have any sense of spirituality, but if you keep exploring, that's where that's where life has taken me, right? Yeah, no, I, I, I would agree with that. Sure. Um, so that would be the first thing, and I would really love it if everybody could get a sense of like a higher power or prayer. Like, it's, yeah. it's really, really like, let's just take the truth, strip the truth out of it and say it's extremely helpful. Mm. It's extremely, extremely helpful. It's like superpowers your journey. Yeah. <laughs> Obviously. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, so I would say like that's that's probably the one thing, but I realise that's not I realise that's not accessible for everyone. Um and the second thing, but the second thing I would have to say before I even got to that place is <laughs> I don't have to understand everything. Mm. Oh, yeah. I like that one. I don't have to understand everything. Yeah. I, I don't have to understand everything, and that's going to still be okay if I don't understand everything. Yeah. I don't have to know everything, and I don't have to understand everything for everything to still be okay. 
I think actually admitting that you don't have to know everything and that you don't know everything is actually a really good place to be <laughs> because then you can grow. It's like it's a really positive place to go from. Like I don't know all the answers and I don't know everything and I have to. So I have to learn. Like you know, and I maybe may never. There's no like destination. Like oh, now I know everything. It's you'll never know everything. There's always going to be something new to understand or learn or area that you can grow yeah and, a, and I think um, there's a few things that have like really helped me here um, and especially with that if you can say I don't have to know everything and I don't need to understand everything then and practice that like you kill a lot of shame yes you kill a lot of shame and um so it's always good to practice things that kill shame, in my in my opinion. Yes. Um, it's like emotional ninja training. So um, that's the first thing. Yeah. Old view, like I kind of believe, like we come to earth to learn. I kind of believe I want earth to learn stuff. So. If we're all here, we're all learning. <laughs> yes. It's not like I get to look at my neighbour and say, oh, that person is better than me. Well, frankly, they're also on this earth. Therefore, they're also here to learn something. Maybe we have different learning. Yes. But, like, fact is, they're here. <laughs> yes, they're here. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> They're here. That's why they ain't got it all figured out. Yeah, we all have things to learn. Everyone's got areas so they need to they grow. They all figured out. They wouldn't be here. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, so, and they're, they're not needing to understand everything is great because so much, um, and so much, you know, like, especially if you're going to, especially if you're going to coach or, try and help people in any way, shape, or form. Yeah. Um, and this is a problem that, like, I think happens in, for surgeons as well, right? If you're going to help people, like, okay, I'm, I'm just going to say I'm just a coach. If you're a surgeon, you're cutting people open. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, that's oh, a high level of responsibility. Hmm. And it's not that those surgeons, and you know, like, I think there's the Brené, I've Brené Brown saying, like, when they, when they stitch, when they teach those surgeons how they how to stitch, they also teach them the thing that they got. Right. And that's, that's difficult. That's really difficult. Um, but uh, what, I think if we can just realise that, like, okay, we will know some things if we will not know other things, and that's okay. Mm. And it's not. And yeah, basically, we don't have to. We don't have to understand everything right away. We understand things in order. Mm. We understand things in the order that we're able to understand them. Yes. Yeah. So we don't need to be looking for answers if we can't find them. 
because we wouldn't like we could have an answer slapping us in the face and we wouldn't be able to, <laughs> be able to put it like <laughs> yeah. that. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Yeah. Well, thank you so much um, for for this. This has been really, really great. Um, and uh, n- and no matter what you think, you have got a lot of wisdom to share, um, and it is really useful. And um, and if you want to hire Felicity, she you can go to she's um, she's on social media, Felicity Morse. Yeah, tweet her. I've got a website coming as well, but it's taking slightly longer than I anticipated. So, uh, yeah, come find me on social media. Yeah, there's a lot of fun pictures of dogs and things on on Felicity's social media. And um, Felicity's playing a lot with her iPhone X, which I completely understand because I got her iPhone X as well. Um, yeah, so check it. Yeah, check out Felicity's uh, stuff online, and uh, if you want some coaching from her, get in touch with her as well. She's definitely worth the investment. So, um, thank you for coming on, Felicity, and um, I'm sure we'll talk to you again. <laughs> right, you're welcome. It was a total joy. Great. Well, thanks everyone for listening, and uh, take care, and we'll talk again very soon. <laughs>